Hello and welcome to the Northgate Podcast, where we aim to bring people closer to Christ, build them up, and empower them to go out into the world and make a positive impact. With our inspiring content and engaging discussions, this podcast serves as a beacon of hope and spiritual growth for all its listeners. The purpose of the Northgate Podcast can be summed up by our mission to bring people to Christ, build them up in that relationship, and send them out. This motto encapsulates our dedication to help individuals discover the transformative power of Christ's love, nurture their faith, and develop a strong foundation in their spiritual journey. Now here is today's message. Morning, church. I'm Pastor Burns. Good to be with you this morning. Good morning to those who are online. We're going to get right into the message. We're starting a new series. It's called Greater Than. And uh, the message is from the book of Hebrews. We're going to be studying through the book of Hebrews for the next eight weeks, which is going to take us right up to uh, Advent. So that might scare you a little bit that it's eight weeks before Advent, which is the four weeks before Christmas. So it's coming really quick. But we're going to take some time in this book. It's a wonderful book. I encourage you to read it as we go through the series. You might want to read it a few times because it's not an easy book to digest, especially in the early parts of the book. Uh, There's a lot of Old Testament allusions and references uh, because it was primarily written to Jewish people who had become Christians and were struggling with the difference between their practice of Judaism and their new life in Christ. So those are the things we're going to get into a little bit. Um, So yeah, go ahead and read the book of Hebrews as we're going. But the message today and the message really of the whole book of Hebrews is that Jesus is greater than, Jesus is superior. Superior to what? Well, superior to everything, okay? Jesus is superior to all things. And and I was thinking about that word superior and how I, I thought, well, there must be businesses that want to use that name in their title, right? In their business title, because it, it would uh, indicate that they were better than everybody else. So I kind of looked it up real quick. In a 50-mile radius of uh, Byron, where I live, there are at least 15 businesses that use the name Superior in their in their title. They, they're Superior Propane, Plumbing, Software, Mechanics, Clothing Store, Shipping Service, Driveway Sealers, Medical Supply, Builders, Lawn Care, and more. Um, so they really want to jump onto that idea to make us think that they are the best at what they do. And maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't know. I can't speak for them, but I know this. Jesus is superior to everything, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I know some of us, many of us, perhaps, are hoping that one football team will be superior to another today, but we will find out. And that may be my last remark about the Bills game today. I can't, can't promise you, but I'm not going to try to focus on that for sure. So Hebrews, Jesus is the best of everything. And my main point today is this, Jesus alone is worthy of our worship. We all worship. We all worship something. That is a given. We'll talk about that again in, in a couple of minutes. But we all worship something. The only question is, what, it is it, what is it that we are worshiping? What is it that is at the, the, at the very top of our, our focus, our devotion, our love, our attention? What is it that holds that place? And then, uh, is it worthy of having that place? Is it life-giving or life-draining? Is it worth the devotion we give to it occupying that highest place in our lives? 
I picked a theme verse for myself for the book of Hebrews. There's a number of verses from Hebrews that we could pick. There's some wonderful passages about the, the uh, faith of the saints and, and the hall of fame of faith that's known as and other things. But I picked a verse for a theme for me from Hebrews 12, verse 28. And it says this, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Now, as I read that verse over, you know, it drew me to these ideas. First of all, who are we to worship? Well, we're to worship God. And how are we to worship? We're to worship with gratitude, reverence, and awe. And why do we worship God? Because through Christ, he is bringing us into a kingdom that will never pass away. This is what God has for us. This is why we hold him up in reverence and awe, why we worship him because of what he has done for us, making us a part of his kingdom through our faith in Jesus Christ. It's an important message, and it's an especially important message to keep in mind when you're facing trouble for your faith. Now, I don't know if you are, or if you have personally received any difficulty or problems or troubles because of your faith in Jesus Christ, but the people who read the book of Hebrews back in uh, 2000 years ago, they certainly were, uh, especially as Jewish Christians coming out of Judaism, they were experiencing a lot of persecution. Uh, they would have experienced loss of connection with family and friends. They could have experienced loss of business as people shied away from them, not trusting them any longer with their business. The people who first read the book of Hebrews were going through a lot of trials and a lot of difficulties specifically because of their faith in Jesus Christ and in fact some of those who had given their faith to Christ were already turning away from Jesus and and venturing back to their Judaism to their previous way of of worshiping God and so the book of Hebrews was written to encourage them, don't do that. Jesus alone is worthy of your worship. Stay connected to Christ. We're going to see that, uh, how he gets to that point uh, in the very first chapter of Hebrews. I'm going to read it, the whole chapter. It's 14 verses, so it's not that long. But Hebrews chapter 1, starting with verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors excuse me, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, 
sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Let's take a moment to pray before we look into that scripture. Lord, we ask you to, through your Holy Spirit, give us uh, wisdom and insight uh, as we talk about these verses out of Scripture. We pray, Lord, that you will um, bring what you want us to hear to our own hearts and minds. And Lord, I just need to take a moment and, and ask you, please, to be um, at work in what's going on over in Israel today. Lord, we pray for an end to this conflict, that it will, it will cease. We pray for those who are grieving this morning over the loss of lives of those that they love. We pray that they will find their comfort and their peace in you. We pray for those who have been taken hostage, Lord, that they would be released and allowed to return to their family and friends. We pray for the leaders who are behind these things, and we pray that there will be, um, that you will bring them to a place of, of humble conviction and, and that you will, again, bring an end to this. I also want to... Pray, Lord, for the people of Afghanistan who've suffered a very serious earthquake today and many lives lost there. We lift them up to you, and once again, we pray, Lord, that in the midst of the tragedy, they will find their hope in you. Lord, you are our hope. You're our hope for peace. You're our hope for a world of justice and a hope for a world of righteousness, a world of love and mercy. You are our hope, and we pray that you will help us to put our trust and faith in you for that as we move forward and help us as the church lord to be the ambassadors of hope and love that you have called us to be we pray this in jesus name amen all right hebrews 1 1 to 14 we've read the verses let's talk about them a little bit there's four points i want to make out of those verses god spoke and he's still speaking Jesus is God's clearest spoken word. Jesus is greater than the angels or anything else, and Jesus is worthy of our worship. So let's begin with this one. God spoke, and God is speaking still. God speaks in many ways. There's numerous ways that God speaks to us, still speaks to us in the same ways. And some of the ways I've listed in this point, God speaks to us through creation and conscience and circumstances and community the canon, and most importantly, through Christ. Let me just explain the canon. It, I had to put it in there. It's a C word, and everything else was a C word, and I just had to use it. But canon is the right word because canon refers to the scriptures. It refers to the holy scriptures. So that's when you see the word canon in reference to uh, the Bible, that's what it means. It means the holy scriptures. So God speaks to us in all of these ways and more. We are studying through the book of Daniel on Monday nights, and I, I just took a minute to think about all the ways that God is speaking through uh, Daniel and to the King Nebuchadnezzar and to King Belshazzar and others. Uh, he speaks in these ways, visions and dreams and words of the prophet Jeremiah and through scripture and angelic visitation, answers to prayer, Daniel's conscience and life experiences. God speaks just in the book of Daniel. He uses all those methods of communicating uh, what he wants for the people, uh, the king and, and also Daniel and his friends and others 
He communicates in all of those ways. So God spoke in many ways at various times, and he still is speaking. God is not a poor communicator. Some of us may be. Some of us maybe aren't the greatest communicators, and we need to work on listening better and and being able to to speak more clearly what it is that we want to say. But God is not a poor communicator. It's not the problem—God has not gone silent today. But many of us have gone deaf or are going deaf to hearing God. See, the, the, the issue is with us. It's not with God. God still wants to communicate his will to us. He still wants to communicate his love to us. He still wants to communicate uh, his desire for us. But we need to be able to listen and to hear that. And, and, and again, God will speak to us in all of these ways, and we need to learn to listen in all of these ways. I, I just pick out one this morning because I, I, I was kind of fascinated. I was preparing for the message and I read about George Washington Carver, and all I could remember about George Washington Carver was that he was a scientist who came up with lots of ways to use the peanut, which I think is great because I love peanut butter and jelly. Had one for lunch yesterday, and uh, so that's terrific. But you know, he's so much more than that. George Washington Carver was not just a man of science, he was a man of great faith. And I have a quote from him that I want to share with you. This has to do with God speaking through creation. Carver said, nature in its varied forms are the little windows through which God permits me to commune with him and to see much of his glory, majesty, and power by simply lifting the curtain and looking in. I love to think of nature as unlimited broadcasting stations through which God speaks to us every day, every hour, and every moment of our lives. If we will only tune in and remain so, I am more and more convinced as I search for truth that no ardent student of nature can behold the lilies of the field or look unto the hills or study even the microscopic wonders of a stagnant pool of water and honestly declare himself to be an infidel. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, think about it, you know, from, the, from DNA and, and, and all the science is learning about the, the incredible complexity of DNA and all the information contained in DNA to the whole universe, right? When we, when we look at these things, when we think about them, we should be pointed to God. We should think there has to be a God behind all of this, right? God is speaking to us through nature and all of these other ways. But most clearly, of course, God is speaking to us through Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews there that we are in the last days. He says, in these last days. If anybody ever asks you, do you think we're in the last days? People may think about that now with what's going on over in the Middle East. Are we in the last days? And your answer can be unequivocally, yes, we are in the last days. The Bible tells us we are. These are the last days before God comes and remakes everything new. People talk about, theologians discuss four um, um, measures, if you will, four, uh, four um, periods in, in biblical thought. There's creation, and then the fall, redemption, and new creation. Well, we are in the time of redemption, the time when Jesus has come to show us the way to be redeemed, to be forgiven of our sins, and this is just before that new creation period when, as I say, God will make everything new again. So we are in the last days before that happens. And, and the author of Hebrews says that, that God has sent us his greatest revelation in these last days, his last revelation, which is Jesus Christ and all that we understand about Jesus and learn from Jesus. Here's some of the things that the author says Jesus is. Jesus is the heir of all things. In other words, everything belongs to him. 
When you're the heir, you know it's coming to you, right? You have an inheritance coming. Well, everything is coming to Christ. Everything belongs to him. Every universe, every plant, every star, every tree, every flower, every plant, everything belongs to, every human being belongs to Christ. Everything. Philippians 2 says one day, every knee will bow before Jesus. Some will bow willingly, some will bow unwillingly, but every knee will bow and recognize that everything and everyone belongs to him. Jesus is the one through whom the universe was made. As a member of the Godhead, Jesus was present at and the agent of creation. All things belong to him because he created all things. You know, science is trying to explain where life came from. And, and I, I looked up a few articles on that the other day, and, and there was one from the University of Chicago titled, Origin of Life on Earth Explained. Well, I thought, well, that's interesting. They finally figured it out. But it goes on to say that the origin of life hasn't been explained. In other words, uh, and these are quotes from them, it is a great mystery with various answers, all of which are unverified. So science doesn't know, right? And, and I think science is wonderful. I love reading about the intersection of science and faith. It's wonderful to study these things. The original scientists were mostly Christian people who knew God had given us a, a world that we could explore and we could discover things about him by exploring this world. Well, I love science, but you know, science is trying to explain life without God and that's just not gonna work because God is the creator of all things. Jesus is the agent of that creation. In Galatians 1.16, it says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Hebrews goes on to say that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being. I think about the sun in this perspective. You know, you look at the sun and we don't really see the gases that are, are burning in the sun. What we see is the light that comes from those gases burning. And Jesus is, is kind of like that. It's not a great metaphor for the Trinity, but it's kind of like that. You know, God being the gases that are burning, Jesus is the light that comes from that. The Holy Spirit is the warmth that fills us, uh, which is the warmth, the light of Christ in us, right? So it's, it's kind of a metaphor for the Trinity. But here's the thing that the author is saying. Jesus is the radiance. He's the, he shows us the glory of God. When we look at Jesus, we are seeing God. That's what Jesus said to Philip in John 14, 9. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Do you want to know what God is like? Study the life of Jesus, and you will know what God is like. It says that Jesus is the exact representation of God's being, or in some versions of the Bible, it says the exact imprint. And the idea there is the, like the imprint of a king's ring when he pushes it down in the wax and there's a, the seal is made and it shows uh, the imprint of that king's ring. What I thought of, being as old as I am, is silly putty. I don't know if you remember, but when I was a kid, I remember taking Silly Putty and spreading it out on a comic strip and pressing down and then pulling it off. And again, not an exact metaphor because the image you got was a reverse image of the comic strip. It uh, wasn't an exact representation, it was a reverse, but it's the same kind of idea that, that Jesus shows us God himself. By the way, you can't do that with Silly Putty now, I guess, from what I read, the, the ink and the paper is different and it doesn't pick up the same way. What a shame. Anyway, Jesus is the one sustaining all things by his powerful word. Go back to Colossians chapter one. It says in verse 17, he, Jesus, is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus is holding everything together. Can you imagine? 
I don't know if we can. If we can imagine that Jesus were to suddenly say, I'm not going to hold it together. Everything would devolve into chaos. Well, the Bible tells us that one day everything will be destroyed and everything will be remade. That's the new creation that I mentioned earlier. But right now, Jesus is holding everything together and keeping it from becoming chaotic. Jesus is the one who provided purification for our sins. This is a, a, a way that the author says that, that Jesus is greater. He's already said Jesus is greater than the prophets because they spoke in the past. Jesus is speaking now. Now he's going to tell us that Jesus is greater than the priests because the priests, they would have to come every day and perform these sacrificial rites in order to express their atonement for their sin and the sin of the people. But Jesus came and he provided purification for sins one time for everybody for all time. He is the purification. He is the one perfect sacrifice made for the atonement of our sins. And then it says that Jesus sat down at the God's right hand or the right hand of the majesty because he completed his work. See, those priests, they didn't get to sit down. They had to stand up and do their work all day long. Jesus did it once on the cross, and then he ascended to heaven and he sat down because the work was finished. The work of providing atonement for the sins of humanity was done. All of this is meant to help us understand just how worthy of our worship Jesus is. And the author of Hebrews, he comes to the end of that section, and then he makes a statement that almost seems to me like kind of out of the blue. He says, in addition to all of this, Jesus is superior to the angels. Well, now why is he bringing up angels all of a sudden? Well, there's a couple of thoughts about that. One is that people may have been looking at Jesus as another angel, kind of like Jehovah's Witnesses do. They think that Jesus is the uh, Archangel Michael. That's not right, okay? Um, but some, but they believe that. And people of this time may have believed that Jesus was just another angel, uh, a wonderful, mighty angel, but just an angel. Or they may have been drawn into angel worship because that was happening then. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. So, so the author here may be saying, look, Jesus is not just an angel. <laughs> Jesus is way more than that. He is superior even to the angels that you think are so incredible. And they are incredible. They are incredible. Angels are amazing beings, amazing creatures, but they don't stack up to Jesus. As a group, they're called the sons of God in Job 1 and 2. But only Jesus is called the Son of God. Angels are created beings. But as we mentioned a minute ago, Jesus created all things. He's their creator. Angels are powerful creatures. One angel in 2 Kings destroyed 185,000 enemies of Judah. But the angels answered to Jesus. He is the more powerful one. The angels refuse themselves to be worshipped. There's an account in Revelation where John is so awed by what he's experiencing, he falls down before an angel. An angel immediately says to him, don't do that. Get up. Don't worship me. Worship God. Worship him. Because the angels know that they are not to be worshipped. But the Magi worshipped Jesus at his birth. And the disciples worshipped him on the Sea of Galilee in a boat. The crowds worshipped Jesus on his entry into Jerusalem. Women worshipped him on their way back from the empty tomb. Thomas worshipped him, testifying that Jesus is his Lord and his God. Angels come to serve us, the Bible says. Jesus comes to reign over us as king. You see, Jesus alone is worthy of our worship. Now, I said before, everyone worships something. 
And I'm not the only one to say that, right? That's not original with me. In fact, one of the places that I read this was by an author named David Foster Wallace, who was not a Christian. He was an agnostic. He wasn't an atheist, but he wasn't a believer. He was an agnostic. And he wrote this. He says, there's no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And that matters. Because as I say in the point, what we worship will form who we are. Greg Beale, who is a Christian, he's a pastor and a theologian, he wrote a book on this and he said, what people revere, they resemble, either for ruin or for restoration. And the Bible makes the same point in Psalm 135, 18, those who make idols will be like them. See, the Bible warns us that whatever we worship, whatever we put up on that highest pedestal in our life, whether it's good or not good, it will, it will form us. It will, we will become more and more like that thing. So it matters what we worship. If we worship money or sex or another flawed human being or jobs or anything else in creation and not the creator, we will end up serving that thing. Romans 1 tells us that. They exchanged, those who gave up their worship of God, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So we need to be thoughtful about what it is that has the highest place in our life because we will end up serving that, whatever it is. And the message of Hebrews, again, is that Jesus alone is worthy of our worship. He is God in the flesh. He is the one whose life, death, and resurrection changed the world. He's the one whose life, death, and resurrection can change us. He's the one who gives us God's Holy Spirit. And he's the one who will reign over the universe as king forever. If the angels worship Jesus, then shouldn't we? Revelation chapter 5, and I close with this. This is a scene around the throne of God. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of angels there. And it says that they are bowing down and they are saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it is easy for us as human beings to, to put a lot of things up on that pedestal, up on that highest place in our life, and, and not everything that we put there belongs there. We recognize through the word of Scripture and through the testimony of your Holy Spirit that you alone deserve that place in our lives. So forgive us when we allow something else to, to get up there instead and remind us that you are worthy of our worship and help us, Lord, to, to uh, worship you more faithfully in the way that we live. And we will give you the praise and the thanks for this always in your name, Jesus. Amen. And all the people said, amen. Can you picture yourself around that throne one day? Can you see yourself there? I hope you can. I hope you can see yourself around that throne with all of those angels and all the millions and millions of people who've given their lives to Jesus Christ and trusted him in this world for that. We'll be there one day. And it'll make, the singing is beautiful this morning. It really is, but it's, the singing then is gonna make this singer oh, right? We're all gonna sound like Becca, <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe.
Maybe B. I don't know. We'll sound great is what we'll sound. Anyway, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for worshiping together. Here's the takeaway. We will worship something and nothing and no one is more deserving of our worship than Jesus Christ. Benedictions from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you everyone for tuning in and being part of the Northgate podcast today. Your support and engagement have truly been incredible. If you like what you hear, then please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Northgate podcast. It's your enthusiasm and continued support that keeps us motivated and inspired to creating meaningful content that resonates with our listeners. So thanks again. Thanks again.